Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC's Orthopedics Team, offering hip, knee, joint, spine, and back treatments. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaortho. February is Black History Month, and on The Spark today, we're discussing the Pennsylvania education system, how Pennsylvania educators are honoring Black history, and plans or efforts to make the educator workforce more diverse within the state. Rich Askey, Pennsylvania State Education Association President, and Kizzy Nicholas, teacher and ethnic minority representative for the Pennsylvania State Education Association, join us to provide some insight. Rich and Kizzy, thank you both so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. So, Rich, talk to me a little bit about how the Pennsylvania State Education Association is joining with educators in celebrating Black History Month this year. Sure. It it is one of our primary goals uh, moving forward to address diversity, equity, and inclusion, not only in our organization, but through our members to communities across Pennsylvania. So we are uh, working with the teachers. Uh, We are sending out items for them to teach and and recognizing some some great historical information on black history with them at the time. So I I can tell you, and Kizzy will be able to go a little bit more into it, that there's a lot of great things happening in our classrooms. Kizzy, how is black history being taught in Pennsylvania schools? So black history, um, as we like to say, is really just American history. But especially in Black History Month, what many of my colleagues um, in my own school district and from around the state, we try to incorporate uh, famous African-Americans and people of color into just our content areas and show the history of their contributions to the subject areas that we teach. So for example, I focus primarily on math and some aspects of writing. But when I talk about various math concepts, I want to point out that many of the technology and things that we use today or the math concepts we use today were first discovered or first popularized by various African-Americans. Like architecture was Benjamin Banneker who came up with the system that we lay out, um, that DC is currently laid out. So you just try to incorporate it as just part of the curriculum rather than necessarily always making it a big special event. And you talked about how Black history is being taught in Pennsylvania schools today. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that's changed over the years? What has changed is... um, we have started to broaden what we define as Black History Month. When I first started Black History Month, primary focus on the 1960s, the civil rights movement, uh, the slavery period in the United States, and that was pretty much the extent of Black History Month. Now what we're starting to see is teachers are trying to show a broader view of African-American history, of Black history. 
that there are contributions beyond the civil rights movement or that there were other participants in the civil rights movement beyond Dr. King and Rosa Parks. So we're showing that African-American history isn't just limited to two periods of struggle, but there are periods of joy, there are periods of celebration, there are periods of great discovery, rather than just boiling it down to one or two aspects of our history. So Kizzy, what kind of impact is uh, this having on students? One of the things, I mean, most importantly, what we look at is our students of color and research shows that it's important for students to be able to see themselves in the curriculum. And when you have a young African-American male hearing that someone who wants, someone who looked like him is the reason that our nation's capital looks the way it does. When the person who invented the gas mask that our firemen used was somebody who looked like them. When our young ladies see that astronauts looked like them, it gives them the, the encouragement to say, I could be that person. I can do that. People who look like me do that. And then when we look at our students who are not African-American, it helps broaden what they view as what African-Americans are. It helps them to break out of the stereotypical view of these are the areas that African-Americans are good in, sports, music, theater aspects, and see that they're involved in the sciences, they're involved in literature, they're involved in psychology. And it has always been that way since the dawn of time when man first started writing things down, that there has always been a wide variety of people participating in what has brought our culture today. So it gives all of our students a wider understanding of the African-American experience, not just in America, but across the world. Rich, how diverse is the student population within Pennsylvania? And is the amount of diversity in schools within the state growing? Well, right now, uh, according to the Research for Action, what we're looking at is a student population of, of made of students of color that is approximately 36%. Mm. And unfortunately, Pennsylvania is really not doing as well as some other um, states in the area of a diverse workforce in the education field. Right now, we're looking at a, a, a uh, education workforce that is made up of approximately 6% people of color. So that's not, that's not enough. That's not nearly enough because when you have all these students who really truly need to somewhat to see someone who looks like them, who understands their communities, who, who is a, a role model for them, we need to do a better job in, in recruiting people of color into the field of education. So what sort of efforts do you have currently for recruiting people of color in the educator workforce? Well, we are partnering with several different organizations. First of all, just increasing the educator workforce right now is a major priority for us because, as everybody knows, there's we're in crisis with our teacher shortage right yes. now. So um, one of the, if, if, if you can take a crisis and look at opportunities in a crisis, 
I think we have one here where as we work with the uh, state officials, our legislators, our new governor uh, and communities and uh, and within our own schools to promote uh, young people into the field of education, this is an opportunity for us to really hone in and 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 tell these young people this is a good field to be in and we would like to see you in charge of a classroom. So what characteristics are you looking for when recruiting teachers of color to make the best impact on students? Well, I think uh, I think a lot of teachers will tell you that a, that a good teacher was a very good student and mm-hmm. enjoyed the classroom. And, you know, how many educators do you hear that uh, said they started off by playing school with their brothers and sisters, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, so, but but we also have to make sure that they are um, good students, that they're leaders, because it takes, it takes a, a characteristic of leadership to be a teacher, and uh, discussions, just having discussions with them about this is what you can do, these, these are opportunities for you. And then the next step is we have to clear the pathway for them. We have to make sure that those struggles that they have to go into education, for instance, the cost. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, like you're asking someone to student teach for, for half a year and you're, they're not making any money while they're working. So there's, there's the cost struggle and there's the getting into the uh, college struggle, all those things. So we have to work on those pathways as well. Yeah. Uh, do the poorer school districts have more of a challenge when it comes to recruiting teachers of a color? Absolutely. I, I taught in Harrisburg School District, which uh, which is one of those school districts, struggling school districts. And and the, the talent is there. I saw so many talented students when I was there. It's just making them realize that this opportunity is in front of them. So it takes some more effort for us to tell them, yes, you can do this. You This is a pathway. And and to clear that pathway for them, as I was just saying. Hmm. Kizzy, according to the Future Ready PA Index, the statewide average for students on grade level for reading is about 54%. For math, it's about 36%. And for science, it's about 54%. Could a more diverse educator workforce in Pennsylvania make a difference in these numbers, uh, graduation data, and also a student's ability to be ready to enter the workforce? Certainly. what When you have a more diverse workforce, you have a wider ability to connect with students. Again, when I was talking earlier, they can see themselves in you. It's not always, when we're looking at students, and particularly if we're looking at students from lower income areas, oftentimes our teacher workforce is that middle class person who could afford to go into education. But when they see someone who has been through the struggle, so one of the ways I relate to my students is that I am a first generation low income student. And I can say this is what my experiences are. You can also achieve those same goals, too. You don't have to be from this particular area. When we have more teachers who are from other cultures other than the United States, you can they can see someone who is a newly arrived immigrant. No, look, see, here I am, too. 
And what that does is that creates interest in our field, that creates interest in science, that creates interest in math. And when students are interested in the fields, then they want to learn, then they're going to put that extra effort into it when they can see how these topics relate to their lives. And to show them how they're going to relate to their lives, you need to have people of different experience, experiences. My eighth graders got so interested in percentages and decimals when I showed them how it affects their paycheck. <laughs> but if I can and, just add, the yeah. research is really very clear that students of color benefit when they have teachers of color. A report from yes. the Learning Policy Institute in April of 2018 showed that when students of color are taught by teachers of color, they have better academic performance, improved graduation uh, results, and they are more likely to go on to second to uh, higher education. Mm. So, Rich, talk to me a little bit about how much of the history and achievements of people of color is included in Pennsylvania school curriculums today. Well, you're probably going to see it. We have local control of our schools in Pennsylvania, so it's probably a little bit different depending upon where you're at. But uh, I know that uh, in some schools you may see it f focused mostly during this month. But I think in the vast majority of Pennsylvania schools, you see more and more that this is American history, and it's now being embedded into the curriculum throughout the year. And, and that's why it's important to make sure that, that we keep on advocating for that to happen. When you see that the school boards uh, are trying to make some books unavailable for uh, that are might be written by a person of color, uh, then that's, that's censorship and that's taking away opportunities for those students to, to connect with voices like theirs. So, so you, the curriculum is there. It's American history, and it's there, but uh, it's up to the local schools to make sure it happens. And how often are textbooks and school materials updated to reflect this information? Well, it depends. Again, I will tell you, it depends on the, the local school district. For instance, I taught in Harrisburg where the funds were not good. So we were looking at textbooks that were 20 years old, mm -hmm. whereas sometimes there's more affluent school districts that are fortunate and can refurbish those textbooks uh, on a more frequent basis. But teachers have become not as dependent on textbooks as they once were. Just like the world is more techno, there's more technology out in the world, teachers are using that technology to, to bring those necessary subjects into their classrooms. So Rich, what would you say to someone who says critical race theory is being taught in schools because of this? Critical race theory, let me be clear to everyone listening, is not being taught in schools. Critical race theory is a legal theory that is taught in law schools and graduate schools. I, I know that some politicians like to invoke this term to politicize our schools and to divide our community. It's really a matter of censoring, uh, censoring the ability of the teachers to teach and the students to learn about true American history. Mm. 
According to WHYY, Pennsylvania has some of the greatest spending gaps in the country between districts, which advocates which advocates believe has to do with the way that the state distributes uh, money. These spending gaps also have been shown to translate to opportunity gaps between black and white students. Kizzy, can you talk to me a little bit about those opportunity gaps? Certainly. When um, we look at the funding model in uh, Pennsylvania, and thankfully we're starting to see that uh, the courts are forcing the state to acknowledge that, what you see is what classes schools can offer. Now, I am very fortunate to teach in a very well-funded school district, and my children have access to AP courses, I, I international baccalaureate programs, um, calculus level five, Whereas students in lower income districts, such as the school district I was actually raised in, you know, we were lucky if a class could get to pre-calculus and there were no AP courses. And we know those are things that colleges desire. As Rich was talking about, the textbooks, the newest theories and the latest uh, methods and curriculum in our lower school district, those just aren't available the class sizes are larger. So teachers don't have time to give each student that individual attention that will help them get through perhaps a concept that they're struggling with. Whereas in our more well-funded schools, we have a smaller student to teacher uh, ratio where we have the time and ability to devote more effort to the students who are struggling. So it's all over the gap, just what kinds of ability, uh, opportunities that our students in well-funded schools have that our students in lower-funded schools do not have. So, Rich, do students have in-school support, uh, the in-school support that they need to overcome some of these challenges that Kizzy has mentioned? Well, right now, when you're looking at schools that are suffering from an educator shortage, and it's not just, when I speak about educators, it's not just the teachers, it's the counselors, it's social services, it's it's the, the uh, education support professionals that work side by side in our special education classes that give students support. So right now... Those opportunities are not as as uh, present as we would like them to be because, number one, there's a shortage of uh, personnel in our schools. And um, everybody is doing the best they can and 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 working very hard because we, we all became teachers because we want to lift our students up. And it, it's just uh, we've really got to re- solve this problem of filling up our educator workforce. Yeah. So what are some things that are being done to uh, resolve uh, that issue? Well, we are, uh, as I said, we were we are working with several other organizations, what we call um, our other the P group, like state organizations uh, such as school boards, uh, the school administrators organizations, but also we're working with our folks in the legislature. The The governor now is, has recognized that there is a need for mental health professionals in mm-hmm. our schools, which is very, very true, and we're, we're right in there with him on that. So there's a lot of discussions that are going on, and of course, we're entering budget season for yeah. this state. So <laughs> so we're, we're very happy that those um, discussions are on the forefront, and we are going to work very hard to make those discussions, make sure those discussions go through Pennsylvania's budget process to make sure that our students 
do have the opportunities and do have the support that you're asking about. Rich, you mentioned uh, some of the mental health challenges that students are dealing with. Kizzy, can you speak to that as a teacher? Uh, certainly. <clears throat> Um, well, what we're seeing is a lot of students right now are suffering from various, um, which I guess you might call them standard mental illness. You know, we have kids with anxiety, we have kids with depression, we have kids with bipolarism, and the counseling availability of those students is really limited. We have students who have been waiting months to be able to see a psychiatrist to help them. Um, find the right medications to help them stabilize their careers. I mean, their their uh, mental health issues. The wait for counselors is extremely long. And those students are in our schools and we have only our guidance counselors to really try to work with them. But in unless ratios have changed recently, some schools have one guidance counselor for 750 kids. And that's not enough time to help those students address their concerns. And when a student is dealing with depression and anxiety, it's hard for them to focus on their classes. It's really hard to focus on reading when your head is going a thousand miles an hour and you can't focus. So it is important that we start investing in these mental health resources. If we want to see our students succeed, we have to help and look at children as a whole. We can't just say, oh, what they're doing in math and nothing else outside their lives matter. We have to say, what are the outside concerns affecting our students? And we've seen the pandemic has shown us that our kids need help. And with the current resources many schools have, we don't have the ability to help them. And we need more investments in counselors, in guidance counselors, in therapists that specialize in children. And we hope to see that in the years to come. Thank you both so much for sharing with us today.